thank you for sharing that with, with us today. Jesus entered into Bo's world to bring healing to his heart, bring healing to his life. Jesus was passing that way, and he comes across a Samaritan and a nine other men. Jesus was moving on his way to his destiny, which would be Calvary, a place where he would die for the sins of the world, a place that he would give up his life so that you could have life. And on his way, he encounters these ten men because Jesus had a mission in life. Jesus entered into the world to heal man's biggest problems. See, the lepers were in an awful condition. Leprosy was a horrific thing. And Biblical times, if a person had leprosy, it was a skin disease, and they literally would be considered an outcast. They weren't allowed to hang out with their families, if they had parents, if they had kids, if they'd been married. The moment that they developed leprosy in their life, they had to live with other lepers in leper colonies. And it was a horrific life because they couldn't work. They didn't have a way, a way to make provision for themselves, so they were relegated and left to be beggars. Beggars. They were totally dependent on someone else's generosity just to have daily food. Leprosy was a, a horrific disease. It would cause skin parts to, or body parts to fall off and rot away. Rep- leprosy was a condition of the skin that, if, because they had no medical treatment, would literally take a person to the point of death. It would begin to destroy the neurological system. And a person that had leprosy, they wouldn't be able to feel pain. They wouldn't be able to feel when things were happening. And over a period of time... Horrific things would happen to their physical body because of this disease. These guys were in an awful condition. They were in a terrible place. You know, there's a, there's a situation with this. Although we don't have leprosy of the disease in America, we've eradicated it in our culture and for most of the world, although there are places in the world that still have it, there's a bigger human problem. The bigger human problem is the leprosy of the soul. The bigger human problem that every person on this planet has, I call the leprosy of the soul, or sin. It's a sin problem. And everyone in this room has it. David said it like this, At birth, I was born into sin. Paul said in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. All have leprosy of the soul and fall short of God's glorious grace. You see, the reality today for everyone in this room, there is a human problem. There's a human problem, and it's the problem of sin. And sin is why there is pain in the world. Sin is why there is problems in your life. Sin is what separates men from God and causes all kinds of things that are outside the purpose and plan of God, not just for your life, but for the world as a whole. Sin separates men from God and has serious repercussions. See, these men were in an awful condition, but they were also very aware of their condition. See, you can have a sin problem, you can have a spiritual problem in your life and not recognize it. Uh, Matter of fact, we live in a generation and a culture today where we want to become victims. Everyone is a victim. Everyone's problem is the result of someone else and this person and that person. I have this issue. I, I struggle with overeating. I struggle with sexual sins or problems of anger, lying, self esteem, addictions, people wrestling with all kinds of issues. And the challenge today is not taking personal responsibility. You see, today, these men, as we read our story, they were very aware of their condition. And as Jesus passed by, the Bible says they stood afar off from him. 
Here's the deal in your life. When we have spiritual issues or we have leprosy of the soul that's undealt with in our life, it'll cause us to pull away from God. It'll cause us to walk away from the Lord, not run to Him. When I was a a, a young man, I remember very clearly when I wasn't serving God, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was go to church. The last thing that I wanted to do was be in an atmosphere where there were a bunch of Christians praising God. I didn't want that. I didn't want that in my life. When we have sin in our life, when we allow this thing to captivate our heart, and like Bo said, we live for ourselves, we live for me, we make our own choices, we're not aware of our problem. We think if we just do one more thing, or we have one more activity, or we have one more relationship, we have one more, one more job, or one more thing, somehow our life will be fixed. But see, these guys, they were aware. They knew that they had a problem. They knew that they had a problem, but they were also in an awesome position to receive the grace and the healing power of God. You see, they knew that their families couldn't help them. They knew that their friends couldn't help them. They knew that medical science couldn't help them. They knew that their job couldn't help them or their boss couldn't help them. But there was someone who was passing their way. There was someone who was walking into their community. There was a doctor that was coming into the house. His name is Dr. Jesus. And when Dr. Jesus shows up in your life, he becomes your healer. You see, the God that we serve today, the God that we serve has a name, and his name is Jesus. His name, his name means God is my salvation or my Savior, and his mission and his plan in life was to seek and to save that which was lost. See, these guys were acutely aware. I don't know how they're aware. I don't know how they knew. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I believe the fame of Jesus had already gone before him. Jesus had already become famous for the multitudes of people that had received food through miracles. The the multitudes of people that had been healed of all kinds of diseases. The miracles of people being raised from the dead or people being able to receive life that didn't have life. I mean, Jesus' fame went before him and somehow these guys knew their condition was awful, but they had awareness. They had an awareness that Jesus was passing the way. See, you're here today. Not a coincidence. Not an accident. Maybe you got a flyer or a friend invited you. I don't know what happened in your life. I don't know how you ended up in this place today. But I want you to know. I want you to know that Jesus is passing your way. See, their condition was awful. They realized that they had a need. See, they had lived a life of no hope. But the God of hope was passing Maybe you feel hopeless today. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He is the God of hope today. No matter how desperate, how dark, how, how, how despondent your situation or circumstance may seem today, there's a healer, there's a doctor, there's a physician, there's a miracle worker, there's a savior, there's a good God, there's a, there's a Lord who loves you, there's a master, and He's passing your way, and His name is Jesus. Come on, give Him a praise. The Bible says, hope deferred makes the human heart sick. Hope is like the headlights on an automobile. It lights up your dark future. When you put your faith and trust and confidence in Jesus, the God of all hope, things in perspective begin to change in your life. Things begin to change. Mindsets begin to change. The God of hope is with you today. 
But two things must happen. First, you must recognize your condition is your problem and has no solution outside of Christ. You have a choice. You have a choice. The second thing is that Jesus is your solution. Your condition is your problem and has no solution outside of Christ. The second thing is you must believe that he is your solution. The second thing that I want you to hear this morning is that Jesus hears the prayers, our prayers of desperation. Jesus hears our prayers of desperation. In verse number 12 it says, They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice. The cries of desperation, the cries, the moments in your life when you're up against the end of, your end of yourself, 11 years of age, 10 years of age, laying in bed every night, wondering if my father was going to come home. Jesus heard those prayers. I mean, I, I, I know in my life and I know in your life, I know that we all come to places in our life and times in our life where we just think there is no hope. We don't know that there's a solution. We don't know how to figure it out. We, we reach those dark moments and something in our heart begins to cry out. There's a desperation of the soul. The Bible says, Jesus, Master, they acknowledged His Lordship. Have mercy on us. See, there was a darkness in their life. There was brokenness in their life. There was no hope in their life. But they had a desire in their life for a, a different future. And there was a cry that went up. There was a cry that went up from their voice. I call it the cry or the shout that got the attention of God. Think about it. Jesus was God. He was the full manifestation of God on earth. He walked in the flesh as a human, but He was fully God. He was fully God. And these men crying out in desperation stopped the God of the universe. They got His attention. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Have mercy. Master, have mercy on us. Have pity. Have pity. When they cried out, Jesus heard their desperation. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says that Jesus went around doing good and healed all. Everyone say all. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 35, it says that Jesus, when He saw the crowds, when He saw people, when He saw you in your darkest moment, when He saw you bound by addiction, when He saw you in a place of brokenness or hurt or despair or lack, whatever was happening, the Bible says He was moved. He was moved with compassion for them. For they were harassed and helpless like a sheep that is shepherd. Every person, every person reaches that place where they can't fix it. I was reading last weekend about a man by the name of Ted Turner. Ted Turner was the founder of CNN, the former owner of the Atlanta Braves, the second largest landowner in the United States of America. He grew up as a little boy in a Christian home, Christian mama. His father was very abusive. His father was an alcoholic. His father was a driven man, a colonel in the military. Ted Turner felt like he never could please his father. At the age of 11, his sister contracted a rare kind of blood disease, and she died when she was 12 years of age. Ted Turner said that he prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing happened. Then he had a dark moment of the soul. He said, if God let that happen to my sister, I don't believe that there's really a God. And he turned away from the Lord. At the age of 12, he had a choice to choice to make. Something happened in his life. A dark moment that he couldn't figure out. 
rather than putting this confidence and trust in God, he turned from it. And he's lived for himself. He's 76 years of age. He's lived for himself. And they asked him in a, in a news report last, just in the last couple of weeks, what is your greatest fear? What is your greatest fear? He said, my greatest fear is that I don't know the future. And he says, I don't know that there's not a hell. Here's a guy, he's rejected God his whole life. You see, when Jesus came, when the darkness of his soul came, he had an opportunity to believe, to trust, to put his faith in God, no matter what took place in his life, or he had a decision to go his own way. Ted Turner, one of the most famous Americans, decided to go his own way, and here he is at the end of his life, and he's wondering if there's a future for him in heaven or in hell. You see, I want you to know today, no matter how hopeless your condition, no matter how unclean you may feel, no matter how unworthy you think you are, no matter how hopeless your situation is, the God that we serve is the God of the brokenhearted. He binds up our wounds and He brings grace and peace and hope into the hearts of those who believe. See, God moves. God answers. But it always requires something on our part. I call it faith. The fact is that these ten men were willing to pray. They were willing to ask. They were willing to call. They were willing to call. But they didn't just pray. They were also willing to obey. And that's really the crux of it. See, I I can say that I have faith, but if I'm not willing to do what God's asked me to do, then my faith really isn't activated. Jesus said, Go. Show yourself to the priest. What does Jesus ask you to do today? What does Jesus ask you to do today? What has he spoken to your heart? Go. Show yourself to the priest. See, we can say that we believe, but if we're not willing to do the things that Jesus said, we're not willing to follow him, our faith isn't released. This is the most amazing part of the story to me. Because as you begin to read it, it says, As they were going They were cleansed. As they were saying yes to Jesus, as they were following His plan for their life, as they were walking in obedience, as they were saying, okay, God, I don't have this all figured out. I don't understand this, but I'm going to go your direction. I'm going to go your way. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to say yes to you. The moment they did that, the miraculous was reached in their life. I mean, just picture this. There's ten guys Ten lepers, all kinds of skin disorders. Some of them had already lost limbs. And as they're walking, all of a sudden, Harry looks over at Larry. And Larry's got a hand that's all deformed before. But now, as he's walking, the hand becomes whole. And then he looks over at Frank. Frank's got part of a face that's been eaten away. But when he looks at Frank now, all of a sudden, he realizes that Frank's face is made whole. He begins to look at himself, and he's a changed man. Can you imagine can you imagine ten guys as they're walking all of a sudden being healed? you got to tell me there wasn't a shout in that place. Come on. There wasn't a praise in that place. You see, as you are going, as you are obeying the Lord, things begin to change in your world. But if you just sit there and you wait for it to fall off the truck and you're not willing to do your part, it won't change. You see, they were going, they were moving forward, they were obeying. There's God's part, and then there's my part. I mean, this has got to be one of the most incredible stories, because out of this story, we see the supernatural power of God released. Because they believed. What about you today? All things are possible to them that believe. All things. Marriages can be restored. 
I watched it in this church over the last several months. I, 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 one, of the, one of the women in our church, I've watched as God has completely restored their marriage. I, I've seen it as a man comes into this church who doesn't know God. He told me last night, he said, if you would have talked to me a year ago, my life was the personification of evil. He said, but God has changed my heart. He said, my boys are still wondering what's going on. He said, but I'm a changed man. He said, I once was an angry man and I caused, I wanted everybody else around me to be angry because of the anger. But when Christ came into my heart, he changed my life and I'm a brand new person, full of the love of God. I watched him last night. Come on, as we were in here. Saturday night, we were praying for this service, and I watched him, and he has his hands lifted up in the air, and he was worshiping Jesus. How did that happen? How did that happen? Because one day, Jesus was passing his way, and when Jesus said, I want you to go, he said, yes, Lord. Something in him said yes to Christ. It happened to me. I was a young man, 20 years of age, far from God. But one day, one day, I felt Jesus speaking to me. I just said, God, I don't even know if you're really real. I don't know if you really even exist. I said, God, if you're really real, show yourself to me. I found myself in an atmosphere like this. I found myself in a place, in a church service. And when the altar call was given, I I remember I ran to the front. And as I was in the front, I lifted up my arms and I began to give Him thanks. And I began to give Him praise. As I was going and I began to worship Him, my life was changed. I wasn't just cleansed on the outside. I was cleansed on the inside. Because the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle that God will do in your life is He will change your heart. The third thing I want you to hear today is that Jesus rewards the praise of the one. Look at verses 15 and 16 with me. The Bible says, and one of them, only one, only one. How many were healed? How many lepers were there? Ten. How many came back? One. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Praising God in a loud voice. You know, when Jesus changes your life, you can't keep quiet. You can't keep quiet. If your heart's really healed, if you really know that you're forgiven, you've really experienced the grace of God, you've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell somebody. He came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. I mean, not only did he have leprosy, but in Jesus' Jesus' generation, being a Samaritan, I mean, it was even worse. I mean, for the Jewish people who saw themselves as the holy race and the holy, holy people, a Samaritan was a half Jew and a half Gentile, and he was an outcast for that. I mean, nothing in his life looked good. Everything looked bad. But the Bible says that he came back and he began to worship Jesus. But before I talk about the one, I want to talk about the nine. Where were they? Where were they? What's happened in their life? Why wouldn't they come back? Well, maybe they didn't think that it was Jesus that really healed them. Maybe they just thought it was luck or coincidence or just a chance of life. You see, the fact is, the fact is that these guys really weren't looking for a relationship with God. It was all about them. It was all about what they could get out of. They wanted some kind of magic formula to take away their problems, but they really weren't interested in a relationship. Only one had faith. Only one. And then Jesus asked the question, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? You can almost hear the groan of Jesus. 
He's incredulous. He can't believe it. But what about me? What about me? What are all the times that God has done something for me and I haven't stopped to give him thanks? What are all the times in my life that I just kind of thought that I, I deserved it or it should happen or someone owed it to me? I just didn't stop to give him thanks. What about you? What about you? When was the last time you really just stopped? And begin to count your blessings. Begin to thank God for your family. Begin to thank God that you live in this free country. Begin to thank God that you have breath in the morning. I mean, when was the last time you really had an attitude of gratitude? We live in a culture of ingratitude. A culture that takes but never gives. A culture of ingratitude complains even when the sun shines. I remember hearing a story. I know the story because I know the people in the story. Mom was with her family and, and one of her, went over to one of her friend's house. It was Christmas time. It was a single mom and she had several kids. And, and a present was given to the oldest daughter. And when the oldest daughter opened the present, they looked at it. And the oldest daughter handed the present back to the individual and said, I don't like it. I remember, like, I wanted to just take that child in the back room and go... <laughs> Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Culture of ingratitude. When was the last time you thanked God for sending His Son, Jesus, to give you life? Have you underwandered why only one leper returned to thank Jesus? Only one returned because only one was interested in having a relationship with God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises When he saw Jesus, he fell down and he began to worship him. A lot of voice. He worship a lot of voice. A lot of voice, just worship. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. You worship Jesus and he thanked Jesus. You worshiped him and he thanked him. You see this morning, a saved life, a changed life, is a grateful life. A saved life. A changed life. Is a grateful life. This man shows us three things. That a grateful person is a worshiping person. You know, I, I got to challenge you here today. Sometimes it's easy in an atmosphere. The worship team is coming at this time. and We're going to let them come. When our hearts are changed. When our hearts are changed. If your heart's really changed. Worship, worship, true worship of God becomes the desire of your heart. True worship of God. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. There's something powerful about worship. There's something powerful about praise. David said, let us come into His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. There is power in your worship. There is power in your praise. When you begin to sing praises to God, I don't know what happens inside. I don't know what happens outside in the natural realm, but something begins to happen when you begin to lift your voice in worship and adoration and praise. There's something happens in you. And when it happens inside of you, your perspective of life begins to change. Worship 
is one of the most powerful things you can do to experience a changed life and a reality of the life that you live today. You see, this man was a worshiping man. The second thing, he was a thankful man. He was thankful. He worshipped God. He thanked God. He started getting a little bit fanatical. He started going a little bit overboard. Hey, 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 I mean, come on, what are you doing always talking about Jesus? I mean, when you see people who are changed and crisis come in their life, listen, I've got to tell you, thankfulness and gratefulness flows out of the heart. Because a truly saved life is a changed life. A truly saved life is a grateful life. Are you grateful today? Are you grateful today? Thankful. It's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? One man experienced the reality of Jesus' forgiveness and Jesus' grace. He came back and he worshipped him and he thanked him. And Jesus said, because of that, because of that, your faith has made you whole. Now go. One of the ten was rewarded with life. One out of ten. See, I've seen this happen so many times. People will hear. If you get a little touch. But only one man was willing to come back. What about you today? Where are you today? Where are you at in your relationship with God? Maybe you're here this morning and you feel all alone. You feel far from God. You know that you have something in your life that you can't fix. Maybe for you it's the inside of your heart that hasn't been changed yet. I've got to tell you this this morning. Listen, if you don't know, if you don't know when Christ came into your life and changed your heart, i just got to ask, are you really saved? You don't know. I mean, I can tell you that I can tell you the day, I can tell you the moment, I can tell you the time that I knew, that I knew, that I knew that I was a changed man. And I believe that today. I believe that about you today. The second person here today that I want to speak to, maybe you're a believer. Maybe you, you, know, you know God. But you need a word from Him. You need a word from Jesus. You have a problem that you haven't been able to fix. And you need Dr. Jesus to speak to you. He's passing you away. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this opportunity. I want you to stand with me this morning. All across this room. You're here today and you feel alone, far from God. You feel alone, you feel far from God. I can tell you right now, in one moment, your life can be changed. In one moment, in this atmosphere, begin to give him thanks and you begin to worship him and your life can be changed it can be but you must believe Jesus said your faith has made you whole go in peace I'm challenging you today to take that step of faith you're here today I want no one looking I want every eye closed you're here today and you know your life is far from God you know you're not where you should be in your relationship with him maybe you've never surrendered your life to him when I count to three in just a moment I want you to raise your hand. I'm speaking to you, ma'am. I'm speaking to you, sir. You know that you aren't where you should be with God. He's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you today. You're here today. You're a believer. But you've got a problem that you can't fix. I want you to go to Dr. Jesus. It's in the house. Right now, when I count to three, you're one of those two people. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, right down this room. All across this room. All across this room. Wow. Put your hand down. This is what we're going to do this morning. Jesus told him to do something. He said, go. 
go and show yourself to the priest. I'm not a priest. I'm just another man like you. We're just brothers and sisters in Christ. We're just humans saved by the grace of God. But I do believe that there's something that happens when you activate your faith, when you take that next step. You raise your hand this morning in either one of those calls. You raise your hand. I'm going to ask you just to do something. Take a step of faith. I want you to come and join me right down here in the front. Come on. You raise your hand. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Right now, I want you to come and join me right down here in the front. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Christians. Keep praying. Christians, pray. Many people are coming right now. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and mark and line them up all. Go all the way across that way there. 